son. Thank you, son. <laughs> Good to be in God's house. Amen? Amen. Um, I, I have missed being physically in church. It seems like it's been a well, like three weeks, and uh, so anyway, it's good to be home, boy, yay, and uh, I've missed uh, just being at the pulpit and teaching uh, the Word of God uh, on Sunday morning, so Pastor Matt, thanks for uh, all that you've done uh, in teaching over the last couple of weeks. If you've appreciated Matt's teaching over the last couple of weeks in uh, Galatians chapter 4 and 5, uh, will you be sure just to thank him and appreciate him, amen? Amen. Uh, yeah, woo. Galatians chapter 6 this morning. Galatians, as you have heard and as you know, even many Bible teachers and theologians would say this is one of the most significant of the epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote, a second probably to that of the book of Romans. And it's actually kind of considered a cliff note version of the book of Romans. It's the shorter version of Romans. And, you know, it's always interesting to me when someone says, this scripture is really important. As if the others were like somehow less important. <laughs> They're all equally as important. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful in our learning and growing in righteousness, correction and rebuke and all of those things. And so this chapter is so beautiful because it is it is the chapter that gives what we most often look for and that is the practical application i understand this relevant teaching on doctrine and it's the doctrine of salvation through or salvation by grace if you will through faith and it's grace alone we can't add anything to the work that Jesus has accomplished upon the cross at Calvary. The grace of God. And those other significant doctrines, the doctrine of justification, that at the moment of salvation, God sees you and me just as if we'd never sinned. He sees us through the lens of the blood of Jesus and our sin has been atoned for, and we are without sin, we are without guilt, we are without blame, and we are without shame in the presence of the Lord. Can I get an amen? So the doctrine of justification, and also the doctrine of sanctification, this process of becoming more like God, becoming more like Jesus in how we live. It's the Spirit of God who's taken up residence in the heart and the life of the believer, and they are being transformed from the inside out. Come on, can I get an amen? If you appreciate God's transformational work in your life, where the Spirit is revealing things lovingly to us, and he says, I have a better way. I have a better way. Don't you love, don't you just love that the Spirit of God is not harsh? Right? We've all had earthly parents, and sometimes in different circumstances, I know my parent, my dad was real harsh. Like if I made a mistake, it was, it was brutal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we would cry when we heard the keys in the front door. We'd just stand in the hallway crying, <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> we knew, and it was going to be heavy, and he'd raise his voice, and it was just, there was this, God's not that way. The Spirit of God, he's gentle, he's kind. And he speaks, but he's firm and certain. And he will get our attention. Can I get an amen? <laughs> okay. So thankful for that. So by way of summary, um, the, because the believers that were Jewish, many of them believed that you needed to become a Jew before you could be saved. They were known as Judaizers, and they were saying to the Gentiles, you have to become a Jew first, and then salvation is for the house of the Jews. And so they were forcefully telling people, you need to come under the Mosaic law. And so it is no longer salvation by grace alone, but it was some works that needed to be followed. And so the Apostle Paul, writing to the churches of the region of Galatia, he's saying, here's what it is, setting things straight, so to speak. And so he, 
he's made clear in many, many places, and amongst those, uh, certainly in Romans chapter 8, verse 2, that we are free from the law. Free from the law. And I think that scripture's up on the screen. Also, Galatians chapter 2 and 19, where, where we are, in, it is indicated that we are dead to the law. We are now dead to the law. Hallelujah. And Romans chapter 7 and verse 6, that we are delivered from the law. And then we come to Romans chapter 10 and verse 4, where it, the indication by the Spirit of God is, uh, with Christ, it is the end of the law. And this, Christ fulfilled all of the Old Testament law. And he is the conclusion. He is the summation. He is the end. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I have come to fulfill. And he did. And so it comes to an end, so to speak. And so... Uh, as we've gone through chapters uh, 1 through 5, it has been a rather fast pace. This is a faster pace than I move in any of my personal study, and it's a faster pace than what we would maybe normally do on a Sunday morning as well. So I really want to encourage you. There's so much material available to us and so many great Bible teachers and theologians uh, that are now available to us either through Right Now Media or even doing going to Blue Letter Bible. There is a commentary section. You can click on one of those pastors and a number of those pastors have all of their notes. A number of those pastors have videos that you can watch in their teaching. Excellent, excellent teaching and this is a book that I would encourage you to hunker down into in a longer spell, so to speak. And I'm certain that we'll come back to Galatians in the future and have some, uh, some Bible studies on the side. So I want to encourage you in that way. So here we have the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. He is now going to direct our attention to these practical applications, if you will. Responses. Responses to his grace, responses to his generosity in our lives, right? When the scripture says that God lavishes his love on us, don't, don't you appreciate the generosity of God? He lavishes his grace, he lavishes his love, he lavishes his kindness and all of the attributes of the Lord he freely gives. So, the epistle has dealt with the believer's freedom in Christ, freedom from the Mosaic law. The churches have been harassed by these Judaizers, subjecting them to the additional rules, just like they as Jews added additional rules, and teaching the Gentiles that they need to conform, if you will, to the Mosaic law. But Jesus has fulfilled the Old Testament law, and he has brought it to a summation and a conclusion. Uh, Romans 10.4 again says, For Christ is the end of the law. Galatians 3.23-25 through 25 says this, But uh, before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith after faith has come we are no longer under the tutor or under a tutor in ephesians chapter 2 also paul says under the inspiration of the spirit of god having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances and so as to create in himself one new man from the two thus making peace so in other words the law jesus didn't abolish the law he fulfilled the law and he's going to release us if you will from the mosaic law but in christ the summation he's going to give us what we would call a new law and it is the law of christ and so today we're going to look at what the law of christ is and what the law of christ is even though the scripture does not necessarily define the terms, the Apostle Paul uses the phrase twice here in Galatians, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. He also uses this terminology when he's writing to the church in Corinth in uh, chapter 9, uh, verse 21. He says this way, to those who are without law, Paul became one as without law not being without the law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, or under the law of Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. And so we'll look at the law of Christ. So what is the law of Christ? Right, If we are 
in freedom, freedom in the Lord, what does the law of Christ look like and what is it referring to when the Spirit of God had Paul pen those words out in those two epistles? Well, most theologians would hold and most Bible teachers would hold that this is the two commandments that Jesus gave and Mark records for us in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 30. Uh, 31 he says then those of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together perceived that he had answered them well asked him which is the first commandment of all jesus answered him the first of all the commandments is hear o israel the lord our god the lord is one and you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all of your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it. It is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So most would hold that the law of Christ is love God with everything you got. Hold nothing back. When it says, all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength, does, does God mean all? Yeah. God's definition of all is all. I like that. Pretty simple, pretty plain. It means, it means, it means all. So everything you are, everything in you, everything about you, every, we should love God with everything everything we have let me say that again we should love god with everything we are and what we have and what we aspire even to be to love god and we should love our neighbor as we love ourselves you know there's so much that could be said because they asked well who's my neighbor which I love when they get set up like that by Jesus. <laughs> it's so good. But we, we know those stories. We know the story of the Good Samaritan and who was the neighbor and all those things. But here's, at the end of the day, we should love people. Do unto others as you would what? Have them do unto you. With the same measure you meet, it will be meted back to you. So we want to give freely. Can I get an amen? Right, now listen, this, this has radical impact on how we view people if we let it. With the same measure, love as you love yourself. Have you ever noticed that, uh, first of all, anybody ever complain about other people? (laughs) Right? Time for the altar call. <laughs> because look, 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 look at this with me for a moment. Uh, when we're complaining about other people, most often what we are saying is, well, I don't live that way. Right? We give ourselves grace when we're talking about ourselves. Uh, but we have less grace when we're talking about other people who do the very same things we do, right? Remember David and the prophet Nathaniel, or er, Nathan? When Nathan came and told the story about a man who had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sheep, but it was time because he had guests come to slaughter a sheep, he went to his neighbor who only had one sheep and took his neighbor's sheep and slaughtered that sheep. And David says, who's that guy? If he's in my kingdom, I'll administrate justice and I'll take his life. And Nathan points his finger and says, David, it's you. Wait, what? The very thing that irritates us most about other people often is the thing that we struggle with the most in our own lives. And so this idea of practical application is going to have its main focus on recognizing who we really are. Ouch. Ouch. Because it will bring about transformation in us. 
Anybody here a candidate for transformation? Okay, six of us. <laughs> that was an opportunity for you to raise your hand with me. <laughs> We're candidates for the Spirit of God to change and transform us. The thing is, sometimes, and we don't, we don't say this out loud, and we don't think about it, but we behave this way that somehow we are something when we're nothing. And I'll explain that a little bit further in a moment. Let me read the text. We'll read the first 10 verses, verses 11 through 18. I'm going to have you read those on your own. Kind of final comments and salutation that the Apostle Paul will be making in some little last statements in there. Absolutely every one of those verses, there are sermons contained in every one of them but we don't have time today. So we're going to focus on the first 10 verses. Read them along with me or listen along with me as I uh, go through verse 1 through, 1 through 10. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing he deceives himself but let each one examine his own work and when uh, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another for each one shall bear his own load let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches do not be deceived god is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap uh, if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Father, in the next few moments, as we look into the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, may our hearts be transformed as each of us are candidates for your spirit to do that transformational work in our lives. Lord, we love you and we commit these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, practical application and response, if you will, to the preceding five chapters and the summation of salvation by grace and grace alone, justification, the work of God instantaneously in our lives, in the atonement of Jesus, and ultimately the sanctifying work, that life journey that each of us is taking with the Lord. What is our practical application? I submit to you, that it is sacrificial service. Serving one another. And serving one another when it's not convenient for us. Have you found that serving other people is not difficult when it's convenient? It's when it's inconvenient that serving takes on a whole different perspective. And that's where sacrificial service it it probably was not convenient for jesus to die on the cross for your sin and mine right no but he made a sacrifice and serving he became a ransom for many that many would receive the work that he accomplished and have their sin atoned for and so we want to follow suit so to speak and be sacrificial in our service and I believe that the text in Galatians chapter 6 points out at least four groups specifically that probably under the umbrella of these four covers all folk. And so the first, we'll look at four, I'll give you the four and then we'll come back and we'll address them. But the four would be first sinning brothers, sinning Christians, Christians who are caught, so to speak, or entrapped in sin. The second would be burdened believers or burdened Christians or burdened uh, brothers and sisters. We, carrying a load. And we'll, I'll talk a little bit about what burdens could be because the answer is going to be yes and yes. 
in both cases that I'll, I'll explain. Thirdly, uh, pastors and teachers are brothers who give themselves to the call of God, who spend their lives in preparation, spend their lives in ministry, spend their lives in the work of vocational work of ministry. It would be like the priests and the Levites of the tribe of Israel. They had no inheritance. Their inheritance were the other 11 tribes, tithes and offerings. So when the Israelites weren't tithing and bringing their offerings in, they were robbing God, as the prophet Micah said, but they were also starving their brothers. Those who serve them. Does that make sense? That's a difficult thing. I mean, if they didn't bring in the sheave offerings, there wasn't grain. If they didn't bring in their livestock offerings, there wasn't a barbecue. There was no meat. That's a big deal. And so, and this is interesting, because this is radical in the New Testament. Are you ready for this? This is radical in the New Testament. This particular portion about taking care of those who serve in that capacity, there's the idea of generosity. A man reaps what he sows, right? So this idea, so generously, okay? And we'll, we'll, I'll give a little bit there, but it, it's interesting to me, I had a thought I was going to share it, and now it's all gone. Uh, <laughs> so let me just simply say, we'll keep that idea with the generosity idea, and I'll come, I'm sure it'll come back to me in a moment. And then finally, we're to have practical application of sacrificial service to all people. All people. So First in the house of God, then to everybody else. Does that make sense? So serving sacrificially those around us. Okay, so let's first look at a brother or sister who is caught or overtaken in sin. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken by any trespass, let me, let me pause there for a moment. First of all, overtaken. It has this picture or an image. If I was a football running back, which you can tell by my size, I'm not, but if I was a running back and I was running with the football, it would be like the defender is running behind me and he catches up to me and he jumps on me and he tackles me. It's pursued me and I can't get up. I'm overtaken. Does that make sense? I can't drag that into the end zone with me. He causes me to fall short, which is what sin is. It's falling short. It's missing the mark, right? And though all of us sin daily, to be overtaken by a sin is to be unable to say no to the sin. Now, this is where critical mass for you and I to have proper perspective on our own lives. There are brother... And our goal is their restoration, right? Sometimes what we do, though, is we talk about the brother who's overtaken by sin. Well, he's done that on his own accord, or he's, uh, he knows better, or she knows better. Or, I mean, we fill in all these blanks about what's going on in their lives, and we, we lose track of the reality, I'm also nothing and I'm also subject in my life to the same set of scenarios, and I need to be one who's participating in the restoration, not in the affirmations of where that brother or sister stand. Does that make sense? Yeah, so we, we want to be very, very careful about our own thinking about our own selves. So we could come up with lots of examples of how in the Jewish arena, people dealt with someone caught in a trespass and what the law does. I will mention John chapter 8. You'll know the story where Jesus is out in the, in the uh, area of the temple and they bring a woman to him who was caught in the very act of adultery. And they say, the law of Moses said this one is to be stoned. What do you say? And they were seeking to trap him. 
it's such a convoluted scenario. I actually personally believe that even the woman was set up. I think this was, this was all put together and reported to try and catch Jesus. I mean, how can a woman by herself commit adultery? Where's the guy? Right? I mean, this thing, it's just, the whole story's convoluted. But ultimately, Jesus, you know, and I know the story, he stoops down and begins to draw in the earth. Now, there's been probably sermon after sermon after sermon about what he might have been writing in the earth. None of us know what he was writing. But I will tell you, the last time the finger of God wrote in the earth was Moses on Mount Sinai when the finger of God, which was probably Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ, drawing in the earth and giving the law. I have a sneaky suspicion he may have just started drawing a couple of tablets and then one, two, and he's just writing, you know, he might have been writing Greek letters, but it was more than likely Hebrew letters. And as the men saw it, oldest to youngest began to drop the stones and walk away because of the conviction in their own heart. Well, what brings conviction to a man's heart? The truth. And the law would have been that thing that did that. And so here these men are receiving. And then he stands up and he says, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, there are none. And he said, well, then neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. That's a contrast between the law and grace. Wow. Lord, help me live that way toward people, right? Toward people, okay. So uh, lots of examples that could be used, and there are many, many more. But again, this contrast. And it says, what is the believer's response? Or The question is, what is, our, what is our response to someone who's overtaken in sin? Again, overtaken, and notice that it says any sin. Any sin. You know, sometimes we equate in our minds, well, one sin is worse than the other sin. As if worse was a word. Like, we have this economy of scales. Well, at least I'm not doing that. <laughs> any sin. Right? Paul lets us know, he says, look, if, you're, if you violate one sin under the law, you've, you've broken the law. You're a lawbreaker. Right? Yeah, wow. And so we have to keep this in mind. So overtaken by any sin. Uh, he says, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one. Who is spiritual? Who, who are the you who are spiritual? Reverts right back to Galatians chapter 5. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not gratify the lust of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If these fruits are in your life, hey, guess what you just qualified for? Spiritual. We are to restore brothers and sisters. Why is that hard to do? Why is it difficult for you and I to confront people? You know, the next, the next portion we're going to look at is the burdened brother, right? Why is it easy to help bear someone's load when it's grief, when it's heartache, when it's hardship, when it's a financial situation, when it's... Um, a relational situation or fill in the blank. We can, we can come along someone and say, hey man, I'll help you. And take that load and throw it on our shoulder and we'll like walk with them, right? And you, I was going to go into even Roman soldiers, right? Jesus said, hey, they can compel you to go one. If they compel you to go one, you should what? Go two. Go beyond. And why is it we can do this and we can even in those circumstances where it's seemingly easier to go the distance, but when it's someone who is struggling with sin, we don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. 
Have you ever had to confront someone with gentleness and meekness and lowliness of spirit? Hey, we're concerned here. You might not be living according to the faith. What's the normal reaction of people? Right? Who are you? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> Who am I? Right? I mean, doesn't the word of God say faithful are the wounds of a friend? Well, amen, I'm your friend. I'm your friend. And I want to help. What can I what can I do? How can I help? And I believe that every single one of us is called to this ministry. The ministry of restoration. The ministry of reconciliation. To be reconciled to God. Does that make sense? Hey, Pastor, do you know what's going on in so-and-so's life? You, you probably should talk to him. <laughs> I'm like... Hey, bro, since you knew about it before I did, maybe you should go talk to him. How can I help you do that? Right? Because we all need to. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think this is important. Because proper perspective of self will have an impact on what we do. You know, he goes on to say, hey, look, if you think of yourself as something when you're nothing, it's going to prevent you. Like, I mean, we do things, and forgive me for a moment, I'm going to just go off notes here for a second. Sometimes we do things, like when, like when we drive up to the off-ramp, you know, we've come off the freeway, and there's the guy there with the sign. And we begin to immediately, like, sometimes we think, well, I'd like to help, but I don't want to give him money, or... Well, he's probably there on his own accord. And we, see, we go through this whole litany of just reasoning why we leave our windows up. <laughs> don't pull the car over and get the story because, well, I don't have time. I got, you know, all, it's all this stuff, right? But sometimes if it's someone who's caught, we're like, I don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. And we think, well, who am I anyway? Who am I to speak into that situation? I got my own stuff. Right? And we have a false sense of humility, so sometimes we can be like in a prejudiced state where like I'm above this somehow and then other times we're like I'm below this somehow and somehow conflict is right in there when it's about correcting or helping a brother be restored and to help them become more than overcomers and overcome sin. And so here's what I'm saying to every one of us. We need to have a right estimation of ourselves in light of what Christ says about us so that we can be in position to speak truth to people in our lives. Let's face it, the Holy Spirit has enabled you to hear or know something about someone so that you can come alongside them and love them in their situation and circumstances. How we approach them, hey, the Scripture gives us some guidelines. It says, do it with meekness. That's like power under proper control and understanding that the power isn't your power. It's the power of God. We're just the vessels and we're just, we're, we're equal. I got it all going. I don't have it all going on. I got some maybe of the same categorical stuff. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. It's all working in me too. I'm just coming humbly and just saying, bro, I'm I'm as guilty as you, but I'm actually, you know, I've overcome in this area of my life, and I just want to walk with you. Can I help? And we hope to be restorative. Does that make sense? I mean, nod your heads with me this morning. Do you know someone who's in sin right now and who's struggling? Just a quick nod. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we probably do. Hey, it could be you. I mean, you have to ask yourself, how would I want someone to come to me in my sin? Well, do unto others as you would have them do to you. You wouldn't, want, you wouldn't want your brother to sit idly by while you're just living amok or having a struggle over the same, 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 right? So how would you want someone to approach you, right? We in the church, we, we make certain things taboo that aren't necessarily taboo. They're just sin. There's, sin is just 
blanket, right? But again, we, we have a hierarchy. Well, I can confess that I lied last week. I exaggerated, and I said there were 3,000 people in church when there were only 100. <laughs> it's the gift of exaggeration. <laughs> we don't mind confessing that. But I mean, there's ones that we certainly wouldn't want to confess in this setting or even maybe one-on-one with someone, right? Well, process. If you know someone going through stuff, how would you want to be approached in your own? Lovingly, gently, but with sincerity and without neglect. Amen? There's probably a sermon in all, oh, mercy. I I have all these other areas to cover. So let me go to the brother who's burdened. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. How about just helping each other out? Can I get an amen? Hey, let's help each other. Not a one of us wouldn't show compassion if we saw someone. I mean, have, have you been, have, men, have you been in a situation where you're, you see a car up in front of you and it's in traffic that's died? I mean, I don't know about you, but as a big guy, I used to push my mom and dad's Cadillac sedan DeVille around the neighborhood, and someone would be behind the steering wheel steering it, and I would just push it. I would uh, around the whole block, around the block again, around the block again, because I was preparing for football, and I was trying to work on my quads and my glutes, and I'm like trying to get strong, like pushing the pushing away. My first thought is, I can help these guys, and I want to hop out of my car, drop it in park, hop out of my car, and go push that thing. I can get it up over the curb, get it in, you know, to the gas station or wherever they're going, and then I can run back to my car, get in my car, and drive on. Right? There's this desire to help people when they're carrying a load. And I know all of us have it in various situations. Some of you ladies are like, I never had that thought, Pastor Dave. <laughs> and probably rightly so. But I'm, my point is, we want to help people who have a burden, right? And so how about we just do that? Let's help people. Uh, and we can do it together. Together, we're stronger. Does that make sense? If we don't stand together, we will fall, all of us, individually. Does that make sense? Um, It's important for us. Uh, Yeah, again, verse verse 3, he says, For if anyone thinks of himself as something when he is nothing. I I love it when the scripture just makes it plain. (laughs) When he is nothing. Right? I mean, let's, there is no good in me. There is none good, no, not one, the scripture says. In me, that is in my flesh, Paul says, there is nothing good. Jesus said it this way, you can do nothing without me. Right? So we have to evaluate ourselves, right? Like any good working in my life, I didn't do it. So why would I boast as if I did? My boasting should be in the Lord. Look, any good any good all the good in me is only god because in me there's no good and if the law of cause and effect is real which it is then the effect which is good had to have initial cause that is quantitatively and qualitatively equal to or better than the effect and therefore I'm not a sufficient cause for anything good. Only God in me is a sufficient cause for good. So why pretend as if I'm something when I'm actually nothing? Does that make sense? We got to get this right because it causes us to view when we think we're something. And you, we, subconsciously we do this, but it diminishes others and we have prejudice in us. And it affects in the church, how we help people. Does that, am I making sense? Does that make sense? So God help us, right? So let, let us, we, we got to die to self. I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Christ liveth in me, the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me, 
who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm dead. I'm dead. We got to be dead to self. Okay. I'd like to unpack that a little bit more, but He goes on to say, but let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone. Uh, I think it's the NIV that says not comparing himself one to another. That's the problem. We need to have death to self, and we need to have death to comparison. When we compare, well, let me compare notes. Well, no wonder you're in the trouble you're in. <laughs> and somehow we create this hierarchy again, right? And so God help us, God help us, God help us in this area. Okay, death to self. Uh, pride is the issue, and pride is the root in every one of these scenarios. But ultimately, we come to the third category, and I'll be very quick on this. It's the pastors and teachers. Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. It's in this context of caring for one another, Paul instructs those who are taught to support those sharing the good things who do the teaching. And I have a whole lot of thoughts probably about this. Um, share in all good things. This is not just financial support. It's in the sense of all physical needs. All physical needs uh, in the kingdom of God and those who are in, in, the, in the pastorate. Uh, let me just say it this way. Um, again, again, I wrote Martin Luther's uh, quote here. Uh, These passages are all meant to benefit us ministers. I must say I do not find much pleasure in explaining these verses. I am made to appear as if I'm speaking on my own benefit. Right? Um, but this is a basic, although tough sometimes and neglected spiritual principle. Those who feed and bless people spiritually should be supported by them financially. Paul repeated this principle in several other places. He said, if we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap material blessings? 1 Corinthians 9.11. Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live by the gospel or from the gospel. 1 Corinthians 9.14. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. If you trust them with your spiritual health, you should also trust them to steward the gifts of God and the gifts of God's people. Okay, uh, so I just I'll leave that with you and want to encourage you, not only in tithes, not only in alms, but also in the work of the mission going forth. Uh, we don't we don't hesitate to express the need in the area of missions so um, finally to all people verse 10 says this therefore in conclusion if you will as we have opportunity let us do good to all especially to those who are in the household of faith so to all people sacrificial service sacrificial service i'm under the law of christ which is love god love man and I have, hey, if a brother's caught in sin, I need, to be, I need to engage. And so that's for every one of us. A takeaway from today, if you know someone's struggling, make a phone call. Does it make sense? So make a phone call. Right? Don't wait, well, that's my brother. That's my brother's business. That's my brother's responsibility. What, what did Cain say to God when God said, hey, where's your brother? What did he say? Am I my brother's keeper? Well, yes. <laughs> yes, we are, right? Okay, and then, uh, then we came to burden people. You see someone carrying a load. Maybe the load is some of those other things that we talked about, grief and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and those loads are easy and we're yes to that load. But if the load that they're carrying is sin, which contextually is what's being talked about here, I, I gotta slip in and help carry that load. And I can't let my understanding of who I am somehow impact the way I respond to that brother. And I can't think this way, well, I would never make that. I would never do that. <laughs> right? Or, who am I? Blah, blah, blah. No. I am nothing also. Ah, but the grace of God, there go I. 
So I'm going to slip in and I'm, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to get involved, right? Okay. And then finally, uh, you know, certainly pastors and teachers can help them carry the load and making sure. And you know, it's interesting. I, I read a, I read a, um, I read a post of a youth pastor who's been in youth pastor, youth ministry for over 20 years. And he read a statistic coming from, I think it was the Barna organization. They do uh, surveys and stats in, in the kingdom of God. And um, said, percentage-wise, the number of youth pastors that come out of the ministry, and it listed five things that they had a different perspective on. And it, three of them had to do with resources and, and just... Uh, their ability to generate more money and didn't realize that I could do this and I could do this and I could do this. And that the kingdom of God was so contrasted differently that the, the salaries in the kingdom of God were way down here where the salaries for whether professional or non-professional were at a, just a, a differential. I heard a story recently that a, a, a youth pastor who had gone through school and he interviewed with a church in Central Oregon, and they provided a room for him to stay. It was supposed to be like an apartment, but he ended up staying in a church office that they put a hide-a-bed in. And so he's like, you know, to go down to where the shower was, the church had a shower, to get down to where the church, I mean, he had to walk in you know, like early in the morning when no one was there in his robe. And get, yeah, just he ne for three years, other than food, bags of food being delivered to him in a microwave and a small refrigerator, he, he, he never received a dollar. And it, it's like it was just like taking advantage. Can I say this? We will never do that. Someone say amen. <laughs> no, our goal is not what we can get by with, but our goal is how generous can we be so that things would be commiserate with what's happening? You know what it takes to live in our community, so let's think that way. Can I get an amen and above? All right. Uh, and then to all people, again, let us do good, right? And the good can't come out of us. It has to come out of what God wants to do through us for all people. So what is it that the Spirit of God wants to do through you to people who don't know Him? Right? Think about the people that you do commerce with, the gas station attendants that you do commerce with, the grocery clerk that you do commerce with, that, that staff employee at the wherever or the restaurant or where, you know, wherever it is. Hey, what's our demeanor do you know that uh, I have, uh, because we, for 17 years, 16 years, we never had any offices. My offices were in most of the local restaurants around here, and I know most of the managers, and I know most of the employees, and a lot of them. To this very day, I still go, and I visit, and I, I, I get feedback all the time. Hey, Pastor Dave. And I, I said, hey, what's, what's, the, what's the least desired day of the week to work in... Um, the service industry, in the food industry, like restaurants, for waiters and servers, Sundays. Worst tips of the week, Sundays. The dishwashers don't even want to have Sundays dishwashing because now dishwashers get a percentage of the tips. Sundays are the worst day. And you know why that is? Because everybody who gets out of church goes to a restaurant, calculates it to the penny, and most, most are still on the 10 percentile. Now, none of it's, none of it's owed. We do that. But, I mean, people we don't even know will, you know, maybe do a 20% tip, and then it's like, uh, I don't even know where I'm going. Uh, all, I, all I can say is, let's not be that, folks. Let's be, let's be gracious. Let's, let's be all people. Hey, how would we want to be treated? Let's be that people. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing as we go from this place. And I just, my hope and my desire is that as we love on people, as we love on people, that we would be looking inwardly, 
and that we would receive that transformation from the Spirit of God, recognizing I don't want to have any false pride that I'm thinking more of myself than I should. I don't want to have that false pride where I'm thinking less of myself. I just want to have it even keel. Hey, I'm also nothing. Nothing good comes from me, just like nothing good comes from you. Any good is from the Lord, and so I want to cooperate with the Lord and help bring about good in all people. Amen? Amen. If we live that way, listen, the world will be a different place, and certainly the world around you will be a different place, and we can transform our community because I believe it's contagious. I believe it's contagious. Thank you for already what you do, and I know in your own heart where you're thinking, I might know someone, I'll maybe make that phone call. My prayer is that the Spirit of God will prepare hearts to receive so that the coming alongside can help and we'll see brothers and sisters restored. We have a prodigal list. We pray for daily. There's about 30 names on each day. So in a, in a, in a five-day period, it's about 150 prodigals that we've heard from the body that we're praying and believing God for. How epic would it be if all 150 were restored in the relationship? They came to their senses because one of us decided, you know what, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to walk with you. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We thank you, God, first. It's truly all of this practical application, the sacrificial service under the law of Christ, truly, Father, it comes as a response of gratitude to your grace and generosity in our lives. Lord, help us to live that same way, full of grace, full of generosity, and full of gratitude. And let us, Lord, minister to those, our brothers and sisters, who are overtaken by trespass. Lord, those who are carrying burdens of variety of type that we would walk alongside, giving above and beyond. Lord, those pastors and teachers in our lives that we would love on them with generosity. And then finally, Father, to all people that, God, you have placed us in an area and a realm of influence. Let us love them, seeking to bring about good the body of, to see, seeking to see them come into the body of Christ, that they would know the story of the gospel and that they would receive Christ. And so, Lord, we commit these things to you. We ask your blessing and your anointing in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said a strong amen. Amen. Listen, if you have prayer this morning, I want to encourage you to come over to our prayer, uh, our prayer partners over here. They'll be praying with you and believing God with you for miracles. Have an amazing week in Jesus. Oh, 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 oh,